My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. to transmission so glad to have you here with us today on the show kate lebon who for the past decade plus has made some of my favorite modern records as well as producing great work for other artists uh, like deer hunter and john grant who joined me last year on transmissions to talk about their collaboration the boy from michigan her new record is called pompeii it's out this week on mexican summer records and it adds nicely to her masterful discography. Kate joined me recently to sit down and talk about seeing the record through, uh, reflecting on the existential dread of the last couple of years, of course, uh, and tell me the incredible story of how the album got its cover, which is based on a painting by Kate's drinks bandmate and partner Tim Presley, but isn't the same painting. Uh, it's, uh, It's an homage, and she gets into the thinking behind that. Plus, of course, we're, we got to talk about her interest in woodworking. I think lots of artists should, uh, should get into woodworking. I think I should get into woodworking. I say that as if I am a woodworker, but I'm not. Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoy this. I really enjoyed speaking with Kate, and her new record is awesome. You should check it out, and uh, it's out this Friday on Mexican Summer Pompeii. You're hearing a little of it behind me now, and you'll hear a little bit on the other side. I'll speak with you then. Here's me with Kate LeVon. Thanks for tuning into Transmissions. We know that there's a lot of places on the internet that you could be spending your time. The fact that you are spending time listening to this one is deeply appreciated by all of us here at Aquarium Drunker. All right, here's my conversation with Kate LeVon. How are you today? Mm, I'm okay, thank you. I've had, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm back in, I'm up in Topanga, which is really beautiful. Yeah, so you, you did, you did Pompeii in, in Wales, right? You basically did this under, under lockdown circumstances, is that right? Um, yeah, so it was kind of always my intention to record in that period. Um, yeah. Summer and I had been, you know, looking at going to somewhere like maybe Chile or Norway or somewhere really remote so that we could kind of tap into, you know, isolation and a vacuum. And then, um, yeah, I guess there was always that hope that things would get back to normal sooner than they ever did, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're still waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were, you know, we kind of all had all these plan Bs. There was a studio in Costa Rica that I thought maybe I could go to and make my way into, you know, America that way. And and then it was just glaringly obvious that really Sama could come to Wales, but I couldn't go to the US. So he came over and we, um, I rented a house from a friend um, and we were there for 
got two two months, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, making that good. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be back in in California? When did you when did you get back? So I, I mean, God, I was trying to get back for so long, um, but I finally got back in September to play a show in Marfa. So I was given a, even though I have a, a work visa, they weren't allowing people who had work visas in until around September, you could apply for a, a special waiver to play shows. So I fortunately had a, a festival booked in Marfa that um, was like a, a way in. You know? That's great, yeah, yeah. I guess I should say, I think we just started the interview. I just started right away on accident. Wow, uh, that's, I like it. But welcome to Transmissions. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, you, you, you like, you, I, I imagine you spent a fair amount of time in, in Marfa. I've only been out there once for Marfa Myths in, I guess, maybe 2017. What do you like about it out there? Um, well, I think that's when... The only times I've been out is to yeah to play the to do math for myths and then yeah. they, um, so the first year I played the second year I was there I did the residency with Bradford um, and then the third year I went out I went to make a chair for two weeks which was really lovely because you're on a completely different time frame to when you're making music or you know there's kind right. of a, an order of process and. There's only so much you can do in a day, so that was really um, that was really lovely. Um, but it's just you know it's such a again it's one of those little gems of a place that exists almost in a vacuum, and it's um, just a, yeah it's just a really lovely place to be. And I'm a big fan of Donald Judd and um, yeah, it's so cool to see all the the foundation stuff out there and and the yeah. sort of like tour tour his space is really. Yeah remarkable it's fantastic yeah so it's um yeah it's sad that Martha myths isn't happening anymore um because it was such a, a thoughtful festival that was so respectful to the size of the of the town and um, yeah yeah and i think it was such a mission to get there you attracted the people who really you know, we're into the the bands that were being put on and the kind of it's um, yeah, it's true. You don't just fly in and you're there. You have to fly <laughs> and then drive. And yeah, it is it's it is it is it's quite that remoteness does contribute to the to the feel out there for sure of of the festival, which was absolutely lovely. Yeah, it is a shame they're not gonna do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. But uh but on on happier topics, your new record rules. Uh, oh, congrats! Thank you. <laughs> I feel like there's this. You just have such a great way with melody, and there's something really joyful about this record. I think um, I I know you sort of indulged in the idea of uh, self annihilation. So I wonder if that joy I'm hearing is maybe related to the freedom you felt playing on this record. Did you feel pretty pretty free on this one? I mean, it was, you know, it's a complicated time to to make anything, I suppose. And so I think there's a, you know, the there's a an almost hyperbolic joyousness that you feel in times like this, that, you know, that, but they coincide with, you know, the total opposite, so. Right. Um, 
So I don't know, you know, this kind of, I've, like I said, I always wanted to, you know, strive to make records in the vacuum so that you do have that sense, you know, you shut out the audience, you shut out any kind of peripheral um, interference. And, but this was the first time that kind of the, you know, the, the future was dark. So the kind of, the the wall ahead of me was kind of, closed off for the first time which you've kind of just got to lean into I suppose you know and um and there exists you know in that kind of in not knowing what lies in the darkness you can manifest you know extreme highs but you can also manifest extreme lows because you, you just you know there's just no uh there's just no knowing so it's it kind yeah. of became a tool that was yeah, would would change maybe nine times a day, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a roller coaster, you know, for everyone. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think that sense of uncertainty is part of of making art during this time. I mean, you have to grapple with that not knowing that you were talking about. You know, sort of what's in front of us is a pretty bleak, you know. Yeah, but then you kind of realize that it's. And I think this is again is also reassuring and terrifying. The same, you really you come to realize that that's always true, even when we're not in a pandemic. You know, it's that's right. It's true, and so you know, there's extreme hope to be taken from that. And then when, <laughs> when <laughs> a bit funny about everything, it's terrifying. You know, so yeah, yeah. You you started, as I understand it the bass was sort of the root for a lot of these. You started working and, and were you writing and composing on on bass? Were you singing along and writing structures? I mean, I think that's probably where a lot of the joy lies is kind of in the in the in the bass, you know. I think the grief is in the saxophones and the joy is in the bass and um, you know, they're like the the foundation and the the sky of the record maybe. But, um, yeah. What what uh what are the synths then if if the if the oh. bass is joy and the saxes are grease what what are the synths <laughs> <laughs> the synths rule on this record too i i i there's so much there's so much like um the their presence on the record it 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 lightens it i mean sonically a lot you know um but it 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 also roots it in those sort of pop structures that that really work beautifully against the sort of starkness of the writing I feel like oh thank you yeah I guess I guess they're the kind of bridge between the you know the the bass and the guitar and I, I think because I started most of the structures on bass it had to transform the way that I played guitar you know because I had yeah. to um yeah so it was just kind of a, a welcome puzzle at that time to kind of um yeah, but when I was in um, I was in Iceland when the everything kind of really popped off working um, with a an American musician who who lives there on his record and and you know it was again a, a pretty great place to find yourself when the world is kind of closing down because you're on this island this civilized island where everyone has been acting sensibly for months leading up to this point and yeah you're in the middle of this island and you're so detached from everything so it was um I used to just 
come home from work and I'd sit and learn, just try and learn talking heads baselines as a form of kind of meditation to kind of, you know, just keep my brain focused on something so I didn't um, go totally mad, you know? Yeah. Um, Is that why you, so you were working with, that's John Grant, right? Who, yeah. We had him on the show last year and we talked no. about a boy from Michigan, which I think is a great, a great record. So were you writing these songs in, in Iceland too? Were some of them starting to percolate or, or was that, did they come later? No, I think it was so, John's record was so involved. It was, um, yeah, it's mostly just, yeah, I'd, I'd been previous to that. I'd been in Joshua Tree with staying with Stella Gower and we started just having some jams and demoing some stuff and and then John's record came after that and took much longer than we anticipated but which was a you know a, a good thing in the end and then once that was finished I kind of started to to work on Pompeii but then I also produced H.R. Klein's new record and then really it was towards the end of 20. 20 the beginning of 2021 did i get my assing gear for my own stuff yeah 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 you and and there are contributions on this you don't play the sax and you don't play the drums i think yeah i can't i've i've tried to play saxophone and um i apparently i was told and this is heartbreaking to me that i don't have saxophone lips i have trumpet lips which who who told you this a friend of mine from Wales, a guy called Melia Jones, who is a exceptional musician. But um, okay, so he, not just like a random. Yeah, <laughs> he, he would know, which it was a heavy blow, you know. Like, yeah, old trumpet lips, and yeah. But tr- um, I mean, trumpets. Trumpet sounds cool as well. Maybe you'll enter your yeah. your Miles yeah. phase. Yeah, I think that might come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, uh, but when you know drums, I mean. Stella is just the, yeah, she's, I mean, I, yeah, she's, it's going to sound the hyper, you know, hyperbolic, hyper, I can't even say that word, but um, she's just exceptional. She's like got this uh, intuition when it comes to playing drums on someone's song that is so unique and incredible. And so it was to work with her, you know, it was sad because I wasn't in the studio with her and sort of my favourite things is to watch Stella play drums. And But we were able to hook up an audio mover session. So we did three three mornings of her in Sydney and it was three nights for us in, in Cardiff, Wales, where we had these kind of really productive sessions as almost as if we were there, as close as we could be, you know. Um, that's that's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, it was... Um, it was, it was like really amazing, but also really, and that was a, you know, a, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, to kind of. Well, yeah, because it's just on a screen. It's not, yeah. you don't get to feel the, the like the, the sound in the room with you necessarily, even though I'm sure you had a good sound system and all that. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, it was incredible. Sam had sound checked the drums and got the mic placements exactly where he wants them, but there was... You know, and it was so great to have her on the record, but also just the, it was that humanity of, you know, that 
I don't know. I'm just, um, yeah, but you know, it was, it was great. And then the saxophones, the, um, restrictions lifted a little bit when we were in Wales so we could go into a studio and, and do those live, which was just joyous because we'd all been locked up for so long and, you know, so that was a special session. Yeah. Is, is Pompeii the longest time you ever spent working on, on a single record or mm, how does it compare to the others? I think it was a lot more um, intense, you know, and, and I guess, you know, summer was over for two months and we worked long, long days and I guess it was the only thing we had control over. So we, yeah worked so hard on all the parts and the way it all everything started in with each other and um, so it was the more the most involved you know because I played everything um, which was always you know going to be the case it wasn't just because of the pandemic I just was um, yeah but it it's probably yeah the most most involved session if that makes sense yeah it it does I, i'm curious you know we've already touched a little bit on the sort of self-annihilation idea you know and sort of like saying you know kind of cutting ties with certain structures or whatever and seeing where where that takes you but but i wonder you know you said that it was always your intention to make this record on your own what was <laughs> You know what? What drew you towards that approach? Um, I think it was. I mean, the the last three records. I mean, the first Med Museum and Crab Day were, um, you know, this idea that you. I mean, limited budget, but you want to go into the studio, make it with this producer, and um, and so you have to kind of circumvent those things. But I'd had a band who I loved and we played together for so long. So, you know, you spend a lot of time rehearsing, you record the songs live, you spend some time doing overdubs, you do the vocals and that's, you know, time's up. And yeah. And so you kind of, you know, it was very much, you embrace the chaos of that and you embrace spontaneity and you are playing with these like, incredible people and they've, you know, they come to play things that they know you'll love and, as this really beautiful evolution of that. Um, and then in the reward kind of started in a similar vein. We've kind of broken it down a bit more where, um, you know, Steve was playing bass, Stella was playing drums again, and I think Josh Klinghoffer played some guitar. Yeah. And, and so it was still, you know, heavily dependent on other people um, playing on the record. And then the kind of, Sessions kind of started to um, break down a bit where they weren't going so well. And I think the songs were just, had been written in a completely different way to the two previous records that they kind of required more tension. The, the stuff that I would do off the cuff was just not flying with these songs, with the songs on reward. So it was kind of, it needed to not be on this time constraint because some of these parts needed like days to be written to kind of yeah you know sense and bed in and so eventually summer and i took like spent a month in joshua tree in a house we just set it up as a studio and we we just worked on 
kind of deconstructing and reconstructing the songs and finding the stone that sings and gearing everything towards that. And it felt like, oh, I want to make a whole record like this. You know, I want to be this involved where it's like, you know, you um, it's total exploration and you allow yourself that time. And, and, and so that's kind of then led on to, to Pompeii being made the way it was. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it doesn't... It's it like it it doesn't sound. You mentioned like the spontaneity of early record of earlier records, you know, and sort of having a group in in a room, you know, like Pompeii doesn't sound um, like antiseptic at all. It doesn't it doesn't sound like tinkered with necessarily, but yeah. but it does bear the marks of that sort of time really digging into the songs, which is an interesting thing. I think you know that's one of the reasons why I love working with. Summer, you know, there's never this, neither yeah. of us wave for, you know, there's always that sweet spot that he's very good at, at recognizing where, you know, something that is exciting all of a sudden becomes quite stale because you've overegged it or you've, you know, you've carved it to a point where the, the soul of it is missing. And, um, and yeah, so Sam is really excellent at kind of, um, identifying that and um, yeah and we also got we have you know we have so much fun together making music and yeah. writing parts that make us both laugh and you know so it's um, I think that's another reason maybe why yeah but yeah yeah uh, you had uh, you had so the cover of the record is is great and that's sort of that's sort of based on uh your your drinks bandmate tim presley has a, a painting so is this yeah. like is this an adaptation of that painting by another artist or did tim do this new version what is the so the so tim was in he managed to make it over to wales to to be with me because i couldn't go to the us um and because as he's my partner as well as being my drinks partner and uh <laughs> multiple part yeah par partner on on multiple fronts <laughs> and so he was painting in the room he was kind of doing the same thing as we were doing with music but with art he was just painting like every day just um and one day he brought this painting into the room we'd set up as a studio and it kind of just i don't know it was you know it's it, it's really hard to explain in words, but it did something strange to me where I, I don't know, I had this presence and this almost like divinity of like, whoa, this painting, this just came from your head, you know, and it has no, this painting has no memory. This It just was this flare up of this thing that kind of existed one day and had this incredible presence. And I don't know, I just became obsessed with the record sounding like the painting looked and, yeah. and again it's kind of hard to empathize with that mentality now because there was so much fear and existential dread and so much of that crazy shit going on that was making me feel like this painting was the, the fourth presence in the house and you know um, <laughs> but it was it's just this most the most beautiful painting and it's again it's beyond it's beyond words and you kind of want to make a 
I don't know, I felt like I wanted to make a record that summed up something that couldn't be summed up in in words because that's, I guess, the whole point to making music and, you know, you, um, but uh, so when it came to, you know, I always thought it would be the cover of the record and when it came to making the call, I couldn't, it felt wrong to kind of give it this, to, to kind of almost reduce its power by, uh, recreating it, you know, however many times, and yeah, um, so we did a we did a recreation of it, like an homage to the painting, um, which is yeah, I don't know, felt yeah, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's so that's so interesting, and I love. I mean, it it looks beautiful um, on its own. It's interesting that you felt that it. It required like something to keep to preserve that original because i mean that's that's like the that's the beautiful thing about music right is like when it's happening it's it's happening in this like kind of way that because of recordings and because of the way things are now we can experience it over and over again but there is sort of that initial feeling that is maybe something that you hold on to, you know, you or your collaborators that the us, the listener don't necessarily hear. So I wonder if that, if that image, you know, you, you talked about that there's sort of like a, I mean, there's a, there's a religious sensibility to the image. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about that, that divinity idea? What, what was, what was, you know, speaking to you about in that, in that regard, if you can put it in words, I know it's tough. It's kind of really tough to put it in words. It was, yeah. um, because I'm not a religious person, you know, and um, but I, again, it was probably a product of the the time, you know, and the kind of trying to hold on to something. And I was, you know, even though I'm not a religious person, I believe in faith and like you, you know, trying to grapple with in a period of extreme uh, um, unknowing, you know, you trying to find the touchstones of your faith and what your motives and your morals and your, you know, spirituality is. And so it, it probably sang to that in a way that was just easier to deal with than yeah. <laughs> doing a deep dive. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but I, yeah, I want to, it's funny. I'm, yeah. I want people to see the painting, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, uh, yeah, that's, well that that that's that's great when when you decide that's when we'll that's when we'll see it you are listening to aquarium junker transmissions the show will be right back but first a brief word from our sponsors okay so hello today 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 every day on radio lab we, we have, have the story, story as old as time uh this story begins i guess you could say with a mystery slippery mystery it's like a a journey about this thing birds money spicy science man versus animal an emergency room doctor crap non-fiction it's radio lab take me away yes yes listen wherever you get your podcasts and so so when did the uh, when did the idea of Pompeii come into the picture for you? Have you been to to Pompeii? It's what it's it's near Naples, right? Yeah, no, I've um No, but I was when I learned about Pompeii and I must have been primary school and um and I couldn't 
like I couldn't believe the, this suffering and also that there was this, you know, vi very visual um, picture of this suffering that still exists all these years later. And so I convinced myself it was a biblical tale. It must be, you know, it's so horrifying. This must be some kind of biblical tale. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's classic way of kind of, you know, trying to buffer ourselves from pain and suffering. And um, so, um, but yeah, yeah, I suppose, I mean, and it's, you know, it, it kind of the, the name came to me as I was making the record and it kind of just felt like the setting for, you know, all this stuff that was going on, this idea of, yeah. you know, being uh, stagnant in a, a moment and that being so visible and, um, yeah, so it's, it's more, you know, metaf metaphorical Pompeii, but also the, you know, I think the underlying theme of the record is you will forever be connected to everything. And I kind of started thinking, God, that in sounds, sounds like I went mad, but, um, <laughs> I don't think so. No, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you went mad at all. It was thinking, God, that includes Pompeii, you know, we kind of this thing that happened all these years ago and that we've made so many, you know, that this awful event that happened that you can buy key rings that say Pompeii on them and all this stuff that we've removed ourselves from the suffering of that, you know, to so we can carry on, I suppose, or whatever. And it's um, it's kind of those things that led to this idea of removing ourselves from humans, from responsibility and from like being culpable for in a collaborative way that um, leads to global pandemics that just completely floor everything, you know? So yeah, it was kind of, was kind of a hot pot of, uh, <laughs> of like yeah of shit that was going on in my head, but you know, did you, but did, did you like, did you read about Pompeii or study? I mean, cause you, you, you sort of make reference. I think you, I mean, I love, I love the the term vulgar when we're talking about like the language that's preserved, you know, at Pompeii, because that's the thing that makes Pompeii such an interesting uh, site is, of course, what ha what happened there. And like you said, the sort of immense tragedy of it. But then also this like preservation of what was like we have we have this like intense preservation of what was lost, you know, yeah. and and I feel like uh At the start of the pandemic, that sense of everybody's connected really did feel like so, so palpable, you know, like in, in for good and ill, you know, we understood how, how closely tied together we are. Um, but then there was this weird separation and solitude that happened. And, and so, I, I mean, we're years now removed from, from the time we're talking about, but it doesn't feel like years have passed. It feels like one very long day has occurred or something, you know? But that's, you know, it kind of played with the zoom lens and with the, you know, the, just your relationship with time changed so much, you know? And yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's quite, I don't, I don't really know if like the effect of it is wholly um, apparent yet, you know? And it probably won't be for, yeah. for who knows how long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like um 
like music allows for that slippery sense of time as well you know is that a part of your relationship with music the way time sort of can sort of bend in in a song you know or or you can be transported back to where you were when you first heard it or or you know do you know what i mean for sure I mean there's yeah I mean nostalgia is so you know or, or music is steeped heavily in nostalgia which is you know um and I, I think as well it works when you're making music in the opposite way you know where you have these memories of the future of you know you you're making a song and sometimes you're imagining performing it at you know your favorite venue and yeah and so- that's kind of a bit of a time warp too, especially when <laughs> there is no knowing if that is going to happen for a long time. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, all those kind of things become relics too, don't they? You know, or your old records and all that stuff. It's, um, they're like diaries of a particular time in your life. And um, yeah, so. Yeah. It's quite- as somebody who's like a very active music maker, how often does it happen for you that you're pretty much done with the thing and then you have to wait for it to sort of make its way into the world? And then, I mean, just through all of your various projects, I'm sure it's constantly happening like that. Does that end up affecting the way you experience your own songs sometimes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always been bad at the let go and... You know, usually you, you wait maybe three months, you finish a record and it's maybe about three months and it's like, you know, that thing that you've carved in private and and I try and make it as private as possible. So it's quite, um, you know, a, a fractious period when it is, you know, you send it off and it's gone and it's not yours anymore. And that's quite... Um, can be quite a violent transition, you know, and I think I deal with it by going, well, I hate that thing anyway. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> that makes it easier to go. I hate it. It's rubbish. I move on to the next thing. You know, um, I think I know how to do what I just did better or, um, but then it's always for me, the getting together with a band and playing it live where you reclaim that thing that you have made and you start to have a different relationship with it that's maybe healthier because you're sharing it with other people and um so that's yeah and and I guess this time it's been what seven eight months of this like horrendous period of just knowing this record is going to come out at some point yeah <laughs> I'm so terrified um and so I've just switched off from it I've like come off social media and I've tried to, you know, just um, working on other people's music now, which is a really beautiful distraction. And um, and because I honestly don't know if, you know, when I will play these songs live, even though I have a tour booked, it feels everything's up in the air again. And and so, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like period of of hell for me. But it's uh, yeah. I feel like we should we should clarify for the listeners that we're speaking in uh very very late December 2021 oh, yeah. and that by the time this airs who knows what will be happening or will have happened. Ah <laughs> oh, yeah, it could be 
but maybe maybe your tour will be absolutely fine i mean i don't know i hope but i know <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm trying to be an optimist as we yeah. he- as we head into a new year hopefully yeah so have you had i mean you've 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 you mentioned working with other artists, and I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like when you make your own records, there's this there's this very uh, there's this very intimate connection, you know, mm-hmm. between you and your collaborators. But a lot of it, it's you really focusing in on your own. So as a producer, you know, you've worked with we mentioned John Grant. You've produced stuff with you know for Deer Hunter. I think there's some Devendra Banhart recordings that are yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you work with other artists, um, mm-hmm. how how do you do you feel that that has influenced um, you know your own your own creative process? Do you find yourself being able to take sort of more an objective view of your own stuff as a consequence of of maybe providing that service with other artists at, at times? Mm, don't know. I think it, it wavers. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I certainly need Summer to stop me getting lost down, you know, little rabbit holes. And, um, yeah, but it's a collaborative thing with Summer, you know, I'm still um, trying to produce the record as well. Um, of course. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I've been so... I've really only worked with people who I have a, a real connection with, you know, and have a real a, a friendship with or, you know, someone who I'm willing to... Well, I mean, yeah, to to really... You know, there's, there's an honesty that has to exist, I think, when you're producing someone's record, that they're, it's based on so much trust that goes both ways that I can only at the moment imagine working with people who I know I can foster that with and sure sure so uh yeah I don't know it's so I mean it also changed you know it's different every time because you have a different chemistry with people they want different things from you 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 know you you give as much as they want you to give and then maybe a little bit more and then you've got to also know when to back off which um sometimes i i struggle <laughs> with because i get so involved you know because i and also you you know you love these people so you want to give them everything <laughs> it's like, yeah yeah it's a it's a it's nebulous isn't it? and it's such a uh yeah, yeah. It's such a such a strange job what what what, yeah what you just described it's like wow this it really does it feels like it requires so many different sides of a of a person's creative sort of engagement yeah but there's also so much you know like uh i guess just the the personnel side as well you know oh you um, you mean like managing a group of people well of, of just kind of trying to work out what someone might need if they don't yeah. know how to tell you or um yeah when kind of trying to uh yeah because it's such a I mean it is such an involved process anyway and and also you know Devendra and I had a long chat before we started about you know there's there's the idea of me producing and then there's the reality of me producing and that might be a bit abrasive when I I'm honest with you about something and 
you know, we only have our friendship yeah. to gauge. All of a sudden, <laughs> we're in this professional relationship, and I'm, you know, what, what, what. so there's yeah, there's some um, yeah. It's uh, I think it's just have to be very honest. I think and um, and not ju- and not just about the music, but just about you know the the dynamic and the um, yeah. It's uh, yeah, but I, I I love it so much. You know, I'm having such a great time working with Dev. And, um, yeah, I imagine, but- especially after so much time living with this record that hasn't come out, you know, and oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just just having the opportunity to just be in a really active uh, space, you know, that that's like inclusive of other individuals too, you know, that sounds like it's probably a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's been great. Yeah. And his, his band is so incredible and so wonderful to work with. It's just been, it's been lovely. It's been lots of forward motion and, um, lots of joy and a lot of you know a lot of love and trust between everyone it's been yeah it's been really special is is noah involved as well no i think this is the first record um he's not been involved with because um, you because you've both worked a lot with him over the years yeah noah's in, incredible and i've learned so much from him and his the way that he produces has just been a real uh, it was a learning curve for me. You know, he's the first producer I worked with. And um, he's, yeah, he's an incredible Noah. And I hope, you know, I hope I get to work with him again sometime. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear what, what, what you're all working on and, 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 and see what, what comes of that. You mentioned earlier uh, that part of the time that you were in Marfa, one of the times you were there to, to make a chair. And uh, when Nate Rogers interviewed you for Aquarium Drunkard a few years ago, it was at this uh, this juncture where you had recently finished furniture school, right? What was... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what did you, what was, I, I wonder what, what lesson from furniture school has lingered with you longest since, since attending? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. It was such a massive learning curve for so many reasons. Um, but the, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, I don't know. Patience, I mean, patience was one of the biggest lessons I learned you know that you have to there's an order of process and you can't you know you your work is going to be much better if you're you kind of stick to that order of process and you yeah patience with that order of process so you don't just jump ahead because that's the fun bit and you don't just you know so I think that's certainly helped when I'm producing people's records um and I don't know. I mean, it was such a kind of a surreal, like, total opposite of my existence before that. And it was, I, I don't know. I think I was much, I'm kind of looking for something again to kind of, cause it's hard to, to get like a workshop going when you're bouncing around. Right. But I'm looking for that thing to balance music so the onus isn't entirely on music because that's when it starts to you start to have a a strange relationship with it you know the thing that you've 
loved and coveted all your life is all of a sudden. And that's one of the reasons why I went to furniture school, because I wanted to kind of check in on my motives and have something else so that music had a bit of a breather. And um, and so I think it's good to have, you know, have a, a balance of music and something else. And it makes everything so much more enjoyable. And, um, you know, you're not holding on to the rain so tightly, which is... Um, maybe at odds with being having that freedom within it um yeah yeah do you find that because you mentioned that you know there's an order to the way things work you know when you're making a record i mean are there times where you do have to skip over to the fun part in order to sort of drive things forward uh or or do you really find that there is like i mean i'm sure there's cases of both but for sure and I think you know it's also important which you can't do with furniture but it's important to to allow room for randomness you know and and those things and to allow you know to not set yourself rules that end up constricting you you know you keep an eye on those things and you know that if you jump forward you have to unfortunately go back back (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah it's uh yeah there's got to be there's got to be room for randomness, I think. What were you always interested in? In you know furniture, uh, it, or you know was that was that something? What what specific? It wasn't like you just picked a random pursuit out of the out of a bag. What drew you to yeah. it? Kind of, you know, I can't quite remember what the. I think it was. It was Donald Judd and getting into his furniture. Yeah. The, yeah. And just loving this idea of I'd, I'd, when I was living in LA, I'd been and done a, a pottery course, and I'd really loved that, and I'd loved the like how it just quiet quieted my mind, and um, you know these form um, pursuits that just you know you don't think of anything other than the thing you have in hand, and that is such a beautiful thing to yeah. kind of give you that kind of time off and and so I guess I wanted you know loving furniture and being a bit obsessed with chairs and then thinking well I'll go you know very romantic idea of going up to the Lake District where there's this school where they teach you know master craftsmanship and and it just felt like everything was you know that's what I really needed at the time to kind of reevaluate whether I was making music out of habit as opposed to out of heart. And I think I just needed that time to kind of figure it out. Um, Cause you can get, you know, you get caught in, again, it's the, I guess music and its relationship with time. You get caught in album cycles and you finish a tour and then someone's asking you when you're going into the studio again. And there's often not much time to kind of process well, why, why am I making a record? Is it to keep the, the train going or is it to because I've got something and I want to express you know and so I need I needed that time to kind of figure it out and figure out my relationship with music and um and I started to listen to music in a way I hadn't for years you know and so it was yeah it was a good good little check-in with myself you know do you still work on you know woodworking or things like that um, I'd, I would love to, and I guess the past couple of years have put a spanner in the works of 
any plans, but um, yeah. But um, Tim and I recently moved to the desert, and so we have hoping to somehow make. He, he needs a little art studio, and I want a little workshop, and um, yeah. So hopefully we can make it happen. But it's it's not the sort of thing you can <laughs> just like go outside and whittle a chair while Steb's doing a vocal take, or you know. Like, well, I mean, I guess you could, but it wouldn't be. Quite <laughs> shocked, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it would help. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what are so? Uh, you don't have to give your exact location away uh, of where in the desert, but just sort of Joshua Tree ish. Yeah, I mean, more more landers um, mm, up yeah. towards um, and it's a you know place I've been like drawn to for for years, um, and some of my close friends live out there and it's um yeah I, I love it it's really magical tim loves it he you know he paints and it's yeah it's pretty dreamy out there hmm. yeah i really love i love the desert i'm in i'm in arizona you know so, oh, okay yeah so similar ish you know yeah not as I was googling how far um arizona was from joshua tree because i want to go to you know acrosanti yeah, have you been there? Yeah, every uh, I don't know if it's gonna happen. Like so many things now, like um, mm. stuff has been uh shut down or isn't resuming. Yeah. But there's a festival called Form that Ooh. uh took place at Arco Santi. Uh, so I've seen like you know Caitlin Aurelia Smith out at Arco Santi and Fleet Foxes oh. and Thundercat and Solange. So it's it yeah, but it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful place, and especially you know, as somebody who's interested in in making things, I mean, you get those those bells, those uh, they they do metallurgy out there, and it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, God, yeah, I'd love to go. You could yeah. you could sneak over very easily from mm -hmm. from from your corner of the desert. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe I will once once this is wrapped up. Yeah, if that, yeah, <laughs> if and when, if and when. Oh, you mean the, the making the record with Devendra? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So so you so you you have some shows booked. Have you have you had the got the band together and like? workshop yeah, the songs and rehearse how did the how did that feel we've not rehearsed but we've sent a lot of emails which is the <laughs> same thing i guess <laughs> so yeah it's an incredible band um and ewan who played saxophone on the record tim alex morrison from wales uh dylan hadley who's uh LA bass drummer. She's incredible. She's got an amazing band called Kamikaze Palm Tree. Um, mm. And uh, Toko Yasuda is joining us, who I've known since I toured with St. Vincent maybe nine years ago. And she and I have been close friends since. And so she's, it's like a dream come true. She's playing bass on this tour. Um, so, um, yeah, and then we have a, a sound guy from Cardiff who's, you know, he's treated as a member of the band and Ollie Miles. So, he, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's breaking my heart to talk about it because I feel like it's, you know, with Omnicrom and whatnot, it's kind of in, it's not looking. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, but um, but it will happen whether it's this time around or whether it's summer festivals, and you know, will that will be the band and will, yeah, it, something will something will happen this year. You know, when yeah. it's safe, it's Absolutely. safe for everyone, and yeah. Absolutely. At the risk of lingering in heartbreaking territory, do mm. you do you miss playing live? Have you missed oh, it? God, so so much. Um, yeah, and I'm so like I'm so excited about this band and about I don't know. My friend has made me a guitar for this tour that I'm so excited about. And tell me about this guitar. It's a my friend Keith Wood, who is an incredible guitar player. He he's got a band called Hashabas, and he's I think played with Thurston Moore, and yeah, he made me a guitar, which is I mean it's the shape of a a Vox Phantom, which is a guitar I've always wanted. Um, ever since seeing me and Curtis play one on yeah, top of the pops, you know. Um, but uh. So he's making me a custom one that's the colour of the back of the record, and it's it's such a treat. I just can't believe someone is doing that, and um, and I'm just I'm because the last tour I kind of took a break from playing guitar because I wanted to uh, connect more with kind of just singing and kind of performing to the audience a bit more without having you know this kind of buffer of a guitar. Yeah, um, so I'm like so excited to to play guitar i yeah I'm like a yeah it feels like you know it feels like the first gig i've ever had <laughs> like that's um, that's amazing yeah. how cool is it that something like that is happening you know this far into oh, playing sure. playing music yeah. that's that's great oh definitely and you know it's like the maybe one of the advantages of this awful thing that happened is you really appreciate the things that you maybe sometimes take for granted and yeah um, and so it's uh yeah it's like um i'm just like you know let me add them come on (laughs) (laughs) Ah, i want to show everyone yeah Yeah, that's so cool (laughs) well i can't wait to wait so you don't have the guitar yet he's still making it still making it um have you seen have you seen photos like oh, seen all of like the and because you know it's also i'm so excited because he's there making it from wood and i'm so interested in all that and yeah um and so he's been sending me like photos of the process and i it's yeah it's incredible have you ever made your own guitar oh no no i mean other than you know like elastic bands on a <laughs> yeah, shoebox no yeah well maybe that counts yeah yeah i guess so yeah. <laughs> well that's that's awesome i just figure with your with your woodworking skills maybe someday maybe someday you'll make your trumpet record and you'll you'll build your own guitar yeah maybe make a trumpet out of wood no. <laughs> well well uh kate it's been it's been such a pleasure talking with you about this yeah. record i uh I absolutely love it and it's it it's uh there was there was one lyric I wanted to touch on before before we wrapped up though you 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 sing uh one of my favorite lines is you say bravery is just an emotional bribe. Yeah. And I thought first off congrats that's such a killer lyric. I mean it's just a great line. It just sounds so cool. But I wonder if uh 
I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about about where you stand on that one. I think I'll just leave it. <laughs> said my piece. <laughs> well, I think the record sounds brave in a good way. It sounds yeah. very uh it sounds very like brave in face of in face of the strange world. Mm. Um yeah. And that's a that's a good thing, you know. So thank you, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Ooh. show, and we're we're such huge fans, and uh, and we'll uh, I'll look forward to to hearing what comes next, and hopefully seeing one of these shows with this band. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into Transmissions. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce the show. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Visual design by Sarah Goldstein. And our show is executive produced by Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard founder. Don't miss his Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. If you dig this program, do me a favor, consider leaving us a rating or a review or just subscribing wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps to spread the word and we're always looking to bring new listeners into the fold. We'll be back next Wednesday with another all new episode. I'll be joined by Afro transcendentalist and cosmic seeker Laraji. Hope you will join us. We'll speak again soon. Follow us on social media so you don't miss any updates. This transmission concluded.